Okay, welcome to The Art of Relationships, a podcast on all things relationships. I'm Dr. Chris Grace. I'm Tim Yohoff. And we are so glad just to join you guys again. And uh, thanks for listening in. So here's what we want to do today, uh, Tim. I think this issue about dating and dating well and what it means to get prepared for marriage is a significant conversation that people have. All of the time they ask, how do we do this? How do I do well? 90% of Americans at some point say, we, I'm going to get married. Yeah. And people and students, even college students, that's a high percentage. And they always ask the question, how do I do this well? So another question that I get is all the time, where do we get the best advice? How do that's we right. get advice on how to date well? Who can I talk to? Who's, who can I ask? That's right. If you Google uh, dating advice, you get 52 million hits. And it could be from anybody, right? These people aren't vetted necessarily. Yeah. It can be, remember Dr. John Gray? Oh, yeah. Men are from Venus, oh, yeah. women are from Mars. Yeah. Oh, my word. You know, he, his PhD is from a defunct university <laughs> in the United States that was shut down by the State Department. So, again, it takes nothing to write a book. It takes nothing to give advice. So we need to uh, get advice. And I think that's what's important about podcasts like this from a reputable source, obviously, to say, what does research show? Um, studying people's... Um, behavioral habits of what moves them quickly into relationships. So let's talk to people that are listening that are dating. And again, this could be uh, age is really irrelevant when it comes to this. I mean, you could be in your 50s, 60s, and you could be in your early teens. And everybody is interested in getting good, sound dating advice. Where do we go? I suggest we go to the book of Proverbs, my Uh, number one principle. That's a good one. Here's what the book of Proverbs says in chapter four, verses 22 to 25. Watch over your heart with all diligence, Mm -hmm. for from it flow the springs of life, and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet. And the heart in Hebrew is your intellect, your emotions, your volition. Uh, it's, It's a physical part of you. So man, we are to watch our heart and not let it move at light speed where it can get us in trouble when it comes to certain kind of commitments. That's right, because this heart and this idea of heart, I think what you identified is that it's our whole being. It's everything about this. And one of the problems that couples, I believe, begin to experience right away is how to navigate this newness of this attachment and this emotional connection, let alone the physical connection, but that idea that this is a powerful draw for us. This is something I've sought and wanted, and now it's here. And so that can be a very powerful moment. So one of the things, Tim, I, I guess I want to ask about and talk about is how how far is a person able to go when it comes to being emotionally intimate in a dating relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there boundaries? Are there things that we should be careful yeah. of? If somebody is starting to date, they really like this person, do they just let their guard down and say, this is so awesome, I want to just share everything with you and let you hear my heart and then have that reciprocated? And Or is there a time to be cautious? Yes. And, and interesting phrase you used, let my guard down. Book of Proverbs seems to be arguing the exact opposite. Keep the guard up. Uh, In communication theory, we have what we call relational escalators. These are factors that influence movement towards commitment. Have you seen that YouTube video, Chris, of it's a... uh, 
It's like a JFK airport, and it's, you know, those um, walking sidewalks? Right. Have you seen the YouTube video? One just, one broke, started to malfunction, and was going incredibly fast, and all these people are on this walking uh, bridge, and they're being thrown <laughs> on this escalator, and they're all trying to jump off. What we're saying is your heart yeah. can be like an escalator. Yeah. So here are some factors that tend, from a communication perspective, to make us move too quick. Yep. One is we absolutely, utterly hate one thing, mm. ambiguity. Yeah. We hate that middle stage. Yeah. I want to know, are we an item or not? Yep. Am I wasting my time or not? Yep. Do you like me or not? Are yep. you marriage material yep. or not? And we hate the ambiguity, therefore we just rush through it and no, you shouldn't rush through it. It takes time to answer those questions. Are you marriage material, right? That's right. I, I think that's it, Tim. If this ambiguity, you can almost answer it this way. Time, I would say. If someone asked, I would say time is your friend. Go steady. Go slow. There is so many ways in which you just want to say, but I want to share most, you know, these personal details and these intimate things about this person and even my darkest secrets. I want them to know me. But that notion of going slow, going steady, right. and live a little bit with ambiguity, yeah. you don't know right now what this is going to lead into. There is a way in which this may not be the time. Yeah. This might not be the person. Yeah. And so you have to really guard and be careful. So what's number two? Well, let me go. Before we leave number one, <laughs> a greater example of this ambiguity thing is, remember the Rolling Stones song? What was it? Hello? I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Sing a little bit for us right now, because I'm, I'm forgetting a little okay, bit. Okay, hit it, baby. <laughs> Hello. I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Hello. Okay, let's, okay. let's, let's So, But that idea, we are so enamored by Hollywood that, you, you know, that moment where that person walks in the room yeah. and time stops. Yeah. That narrative is yep. so powerful. Yeah. And we're saying, hey, there can be attraction at first sight. Yeah. But, but love at first sight. So we hate the ambiguity part. I want to know, am I in a relationship or not? I want to know if this is going somewhere. Mm -hmm. And we're saying that takes time. Let it take time. Give it time to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, and watch your heart yep. if you think yep. um, you're starting to move at way too quick a speed. The second one is this concept we call momentum. Most relationships grow by leaps and bounds rather than step by step. Right. Momentum builds that is bigger than both of them, right? So sometimes right. people will say, I, I didn't intend for this to happen. I, I didn't intend to fall in love. Right. We just kind of got swept up by it. And that to me is crazy mm -hmm. that people are so mm. caught up in something that they feel like they can't resist. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a tsunami of romance. Mm -hmm. And so be careful of momentum. Yeah. You want to push that car slow and steady. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't want to push it over a cliff of romance or sex. Mm -hmm. Sex is a powerful momentum. Yeah. And so you just want to be careful. Yeah, so I think that is, um, it's such an important point that people feel like um, oftentimes they begin to lose perspective. Guarding their heart is one thing. But all of a sudden, when it just feels so right, when all of a sudden you began to, to realize, and, and I think what couples are realizing in this case is that there is a uniqueness to our minds and our brains and our hearts that we are designed to connect. We are beings that are relational beings. And so all of a sudden now, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to sense and to feel this very powerful tug and attraction towards somebody. 
And in reality, that's when it becomes very hard to do this, right? Because mm-hmm. I now want to um, tell them everything about who I am. I now want to be able to share my life with them. And man, to be able to say, okay, hold on, this is this is natural. This is normal. This is what almost how I've been made mm-hmm. and designed. But it also causes a moment of saying, wait a minute. I need some perspective on this. I need to guard my heart. And that's where friends can come into play and, and others can help you in this as you're going through this process. So there's a guy, a communication theorist named uh, Charles Bolton, who came up with these idea of escalators, things that really propel us. He identified two that I thought were really important. One, he just calls involvement. This is where you meet a person and suddenly you're coordinating uh, each other's activities and plans with each other. We've all seen this happen, right? Mm -hmm. You have a a great group of guy friends or girlfriends and then suddenly one of them starts dating and they're gone, Mm -hmm. right? They no longer do anything with you. Pretty soon they're all walking to class together. They've synced up everything about their day together. They're so enmeshed that you simply can't pull them apart. That's a huge escalator Mm -hmm. because it really tends to pick up momentum. Mm -hmm. And so- um, we need. We want to talk about two different types of chastity at this point. Mm-hmm. So, hey, it's great to meet somebody that you're just jazzed about. Mm-hmm. And I'm attracted to you and you're attracted to me. And this is fun and exciting. We're getting to know each other. But we would really uh, advocate two forms of chastity. One would be what you're talking about, emotional mm-hmm. chastity. Right, right. Boy, avoid oversharing. Yeah. And again, th- these couples tend to have these late night talks where they mm-hmm. talk about everything, what God's doing in my life and mm-hmm. my spiritual journey and my greatest hopes, my greatest fears, my greatest hurts. Mm-hmm. Man, if you start to do that, like mm-hmm. like right off the bat, there's nowhere to go. Right. And, and you really do become enmeshed with each other. Mm-hmm. The second one would be obviously physical chastity mm-hmm. is that, uh, and again, this is where we're going to sound like Puritans <laughs> off the boat, right? Mm-hmm. In the most sexualized age in the history of humanity. When Noreen and I first started dating, this is so funny. I, uh, I was pretty attracted to her, still am. I wanted to kiss that woman so bad. And so we, we, we officially started dating. We had, to, we had to define the relationship talk. And I go in for a kiss. And we're both on staff with Campus Crusade for the Christ, for the Christ, Campus Crusade for Christ. As I move in, Noreen literally puts her hand up to her lips and says, you know what? I really think we ought to pray about this, Tim. Because this is going to take us in a different direction. This is going to up the ante. Now, I was embarrassed because I was on staff with Campus Crusade of Christ. So I looked at her and said, oh, yeah, pray and fast. <laughs> yes. But Noreen was so wise yeah. Yeah. to say, Tim, this is going to be an escalator. And it's yeah. going to really move us quickly. So we're saying to people, don't move through the stages so quickly. Hand-holding is a commitment. Yeah. Right? It is. Going public with the fact that you like each other mm-hmm. as a commitment. So we're saying each step along the way, go slow. And that sounds crazy to a hookup culture who goes from zero to 100 physically. But we're saying once you go slow, and by the way, you can never take it back. After That's that right. kiss, you do change it and you yep. can never really go back. So let's be slow. And he just called this uh, involvement. And I think, Tim, what it, that does is scripture is full of places where he where we are taught and told different ways to treat each other, right? To honor each other. If you're in this place, if you haven't yet stopped, paused, prayed, given this relationship to the Lord, 
you could do that in a way that can be very profound and transformative when you begin to honor this person. Paul says, remember in Romans 12, 10, you know, he talked about be devoted to one another and brotherly love, honor one another above yourself. It sounds like that's kind of what Noreen was doing. She was saying, hold on here. I want to honor this relationship and honor this thing as the most important thing. And and so our relationship is going to be guided by that. What a great model I and testimony. I just wanted to kiss the woman, Chris. That's all. And by the way, you know, you know what interesting thing happened? So I, this is so embarrassing to say in some ways. We waited. I want to say we waited three months. Mm-hmm. And then Noreen said to me, after three months, she said, if you still feel the same way, mm-hmm. and you would like to kiss me, then I give you permission. Christian never even got the words out. Right? I was like, <laughs> boom, in for a kiss. And it did change it, yeah, you it know, does. in some ways. That's right. Hey, the second thing yep. uh, he talks about is this idea of idealization, yep. where we are so enamored by these per- person's positive qualities mm-hmm. that that's all we see. And yep. again, we would say, hey, that's natural. I mean, yep. in the beginning... Uh, I, I define infatuation, you love everything about that person because you know nothing about that person. Yeah. So it, to, to me, it's kind of like um, The Bachelor, the show mm-hmm. The Bachelor, where you know you're doing a performance. Yeah. You know you're putting your best foot forward. Do you know uh, the 29 couples of The Bachelor that 27 of them have already split? Yeah, that's amazing. Because that's just... you're caught up in the beginning of it. There's a communication yeah. scholar named uh, Irving Goffman mm-hmm. who came up with this idea of front stage, backstage. Yep. Front stage, you yeah. know it's a performance. That's what you're saying. People mm-hmm. are watching. Right. But backstage, boy, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to say to my students, how long does it take before you actually get to see a person's backstage? Yeah. I ask them, how long before you're confident that you're seeing that person's backstage. And uh, it's interesting, the answers I get. Everything from, oh, I think you can do that in a semester, mm-hmm. to, I think that take two, three years. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the problem also you're identifying, Tim, is even when that does come out, sometimes our hearts have moved so fast in momentum, we're so far ahead that we can see it through a filter and a lens that, oh, this isn't that bad. Oh, I'm seeing a part of this person, but you know what? They'll change. You know what? This isn't that big of a deal to see that yeah, we're not compatible yeah, yeah. here. And all of a sudden now you are now almost what we'd call, you have these kind of blinders on. Yeah. The person can do no yeah. wrong and you minimize that which is really going to be a key critical, maybe compatibility difference, different perspective on life, but you're kind of tied into this. And you and I are both huge advocates of premarital counseling. You and I both right. do it uh, with couples. Right. Here's what we do. We sit down with a couple and we say, to force them to see the backstage, yep. is we say, again, these are couples who are engaged or they're just on the cusp of getting engaged. That's why they're seeking premarital counseling. Uh, we say to them, give me five things you like about this person. Yeah. And three that are red flags. Mm -hmm. So five things you really like about this person, three that are red flags. And Chris, we draw an end to premarital counseling if they can't give us three red flags. And Mm -hmm. a red flag isn't, hey, I told you to get me a macchiato and you got me a, right? It's, (laughs) right? right? I mean, three things. Because again, if they're not seeing those red flags, Mm -hmm. areas of concern, Mm -hmm. then I just wonder what they're doing. And are they still in the idealization stage? Mm -hmm. Um, because I want them to see 
as much of the backstage as we possibly can get a person to see. Yeah, and part of those red flags could also be your own, you know, red flag that I'm just not really emotionally or financially in the yes. place right now. Yeah. And that, that could be a flag. Yeah. So it's not necessarily identifying the negative in the other no, person. It's, it's in both. It's in you. It's in mm-hmm. maybe in the way you two relate, or it's in your own way that maybe you're just not. And those are great ways and because it does help kind of overcome this idea of idealization. Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever think this. Do you ever wonder if you would have done at this stage you are right now, you and Elisa, if you would have done your premarital counseling mm-hmm. when you first got married? Yeah. Isn't that wild to yeah, think about? Is. Yeah, it is. We because... got in trouble mm-hmm. because Noreen is a uh, business major. She was a business major at University of Connecticut. I was a theater major, mm-hmm. Eastern Michigan <laughs> University. Don't laugh. She was pre-law. I was pre-unemployment. Um, so she asked... I've had an intrusive question, Chris, intrusive. She asked, how much money do you have in savings? <laughs> and Chris, I'll be honest with you, I had nothing. <laughs> I had books, hardcover books, right? And I had a tennis racket to die for, a graphite tennis racket that improved my backhand tremendously. Well, if I was doing our premarital counseling, mm-hmm. what would you have said at that point? You would have said? Oh, I would have said, Noreen, you might want to go ahead and keep on walking, baby. <laughs> keep on walking. One word, run. No, I wouldn't have said that. But, but you would have said, that's yeah, a red you, flag. Yeah, it is a red flag. Because Noreen, do you value savings? Yeah. And she did. I did. You know what I told her? This is so funny. I said, uh, I philosophically believe in it. <laughs> it didn't help the situation. Yeah. But that would have been a red flag. And yeah. just to know... Yeah. You have these differences. And how big of a deal is that? It's as big as a deal as you're going to make it. If, yeah. if savings is super important, then it's a big deal. So real quickly, Tim, give us what you would say. Give, give me the top red flags that you have heard. If you're going to hear this red flag, you are going to say, okay. you know what? You need to take a little bit of time. Yep. You need to take a little break. You need to start praying. I'll give you a number one red flag for us. Oh, yeah. If it becomes and if you find out that this relationship has turned physical, uh, it, then to me, it is the single biggest indicator that this relationship is not going to be accurately understood or Good. evaluated because yeah. you can't see clearly if you're in the midst of a deep physical. And by physical, I mean, let's just what that means is for college students, some of them here at Biola, they're like, oh, you know, there could be a variety of different. Exp- I'm talking about people who are sexually intimate. They may not necessarily even be sleeping together, but in that capacity, when they are, and they're doing a a series of ways in which they are now primarily connecting with each other physically. So clothes are coming off, hands going where they shouldn't. To me, you are now in dangerous territory because you're probably unable to accurately understand and evaluate and see any other red flags. You're just going to miss them. So Chris, not only do I agree with that. Let me tell you what we do with a couple who's in that situation. And again, we never attach shame to it. We never say right. you're lesser uh, as a couple. I mean, these are very common struggles in the most yeah, sexualized age in the history of humanity. Right. Here's what we say to them. If you're sexually active, you need to go three months yeah. with no physical contact. Yeah. No physical contact. Now, they look at us like, what? We can't hold hands? No. For three months, yeah. we advocate. Now, listen, I didn't say you can't date each other. Right. I didn't say you couldn't compliment each other. I didn't say you couldn't get each other gifts and stuff like that. But right now, you're so clouded because you're physically active. You need one month 
just to get a little bit unclouded, two months to start asking some hard questions and three months to say, I think I can really evaluate this relationship with the sexual part taken out of it. Mm -hmm. Now that might sound crazy to our listeners, but listen, you're making a decision that's gonna last 60, 70 years of your life. Being clouded physically, uh, you need to make really good decisions at this point. And I'm afraid that the physical is just clouding your perspective. We got to get you unclouded. Okay, so that's one that we both agree on. Yeah. How about um, the the lack of spiritual compatibility? That one person is yeah. maybe in a different place. How important is that, or or any other that you? Because I, I here's here's one of the things that I worry about. There are sometimes couples that are beginning to date where one is clearly called, or God has been speaking to them, and they have a heart and a passion and an area that they know this is what they want to do. This is how they're going to seek God. And another person maybe just isn't there the other person right. is just struggling yeah. a little bit in this area and and uh, th- that can be but is that one of the big, biggest red flags or are there others for you no i think it's a red flag chris and here's how i would describe it i don't care if like one person knows the bible better than the other person right because that happens but they both have equal passion yeah. for god they both want to get to know god they can be at different levels yeah. but that passion is there and here's what i always say to our um engaged couples, premarital couples. I don't care what that person says. Mm -hmm. What they say is completely irrelevant because if you were to ask a Christian guy- Yeah, they're going to answer it. Do you think the Bible is important? Yes. He's going to say, it's the word of (laughs) God. And of course, do you think church is important? Oh, yes, the gathering of the saints. You know what I mean? (laughs) What do you want this guy to say? You're getting front stage. Right. So I say the passion needs to be the same and watch what they watch do. They do. Yeah, watch what right. they do. Watch what they do. Do they go to church even yep. when you can't? Yep. Do they talk about the Bible? Yeah. That kind of stuff, Chris, I think is inc- that's un- being unequally yoked together. Yep. That passion is going to just drive you crazy yep. if you're not wanting to pursue it uh, at the same kind of level. Any other red flags that you'd say, this is one that I worry about a lot, or we see a lot, or it's growing a little bit more. Uh, anything else stand out as for us? Well, something really practical. Uh, what is your philosophy of debt? Mm-hmm. Financial, yeah. Yeah, you could have a person who says, I don't think that's a big deal. I go yeah. into, I, I, I don't mind that my credit card is in debt, yeah. and I have to pay the, cert, you know, the overcharges. Right. Again, what we're talking about is core compatibility on the big issues. So finances is a pretty big issue. I would want those people on the same page about Mm -hmm. spending, savings, um, uh, you know, a spender and a saver marrying each other is going to be rough. It's not impossible. It's just going to be rough at those two individuals. I I think another one would be... um, the same general vision for the future. Mm -hmm. Like Noreen greatly valued higher education. Mm -hmm. So when we got engaged, I said, hey, by the way, I see a PhD in the future, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of sacrifice. And Noreen, uh, imagine if she didn't care about higher education. She said, well, why do you need to get more education? You you graduated from high school. What do you need more for? Mm -hmm. So uh, generally... Uh, the same kind of vision. And it's okay if you're in your early 20s, you don't know exactly what that is. But generally speaking, where do you see yourself 5, 10, 15 years down the road? Yeah. Um, you know, in this uh, concept and this, what we've been talking about then are different ways and different things we need to pay attention to and, 
and where somebody can date well and how they do it. Just just as the general question, Tim, uh, tell me about what, what do you feel, what are you seeing in this culture today about dating and what's going on there and what's happening in this and, and what are the pressures that we didn't face, you know, back, back then that they're facing today? Well, you and I both are just greatly concerned about what they call the hookup culture, yeah. that technology uh, has just made it so easy to connect yeah. and, and uh, with complete strangers. And uh, I, I think the sexual revolution of the 1960s has gasoline poured on it by today's technology. And yeah. that's everything from pornography. And uh, by the way, that should have been one I should have mentioned with the red flags. Yep. Yep. If a person is consistently looking at pornography, mm-hmm. he or she, we're seeing great rises in... in uh, Females being addicted to pornography. So they always say to me, well, how much is too much? I would say if you're looking at pornography once a week, yeah. I, I don't think you're ready to get married. Yeah. I, I think that's a big problem. So that's a big red flag for me. Here's what I see, Chris, is I see culture um, still experiencing the sexual revolution of the 60s. I see Christian culture over-spiritualizing dating. Yeah. Like we, we teach at Biola University. Many Christian universities that we travel to will say there's no dating at these Christian universities that you have to know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So I have to pray about it and be convinced that God wants me to get to know you better before Mm -hmm. I actually ask you out on the first date. And I want to say, what? How did you know that? Tea leaves? I mean, how did you know this person? So (laughs) there's no good healthy, casual dating in Christian circles, I'm afraid that we've hyper-spiritualized it on the Christian end of things. Yeah. Well, just that last thought and this idea, Tim, as we're talking about a highly sexualized culture and this notion of hooking up and and the pain that that can cause because it is a false sense of intimacy, right? We yeah. begin to believe the more physical we are, the more we believe we're compatible and intimate mm-hmm. because it's it really, but it really is a false intimacy. And I believe that is a struggle for this culture today that yeah. I've seen yeah. is that too many people are just figuring out this is the way I can relate to people, this is the way I can be attracted to other people, and this is the way I can attract people to me. Right. And it just causes so many significant concerns. I want to talk about that. Uh, you know, Tim, this won't be the last time we're going to talk about this topic because it is a central driver. It is an important thing in our culture. And people are asking questions about this all the time. Not just young, not just in college. People right. that are dating and single yeah. again yeah. Uh, have some issues. And so let's keep talking about this uh, because it has, I think, a lot of listeners out there intrigued and wanting to know some information. And so let's do that again. Uh, we'll cover some topics like this soon. Sounds great. For uh, The Art of Relationships, I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yohan. Hey, thanks for joining us.